back. We're, yeah, welcome back. Uh, it's still the Canterbury Tales. As you may have heard last week, uh, we are calling this episode Two Canterbury, Two Tales, Tokyo Drift. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. No, I like um, Canter- Can- uh, CT Redux. <laughs> I'm just excited for The Wife of Bath because I've heard lots of good things about her. <laughs> oh, it's still a literature and this week we're doing more tales. Oh yeah, that's the podcast. Hello, hi. It, that's Sam. I'm Sandy. It us. We and here. A welcome. This was not recorded on the same day. <laughs> <laughs> Let's take you back in time. Oh my god. To the Middle Ages. Pre um, Late pre-COVID. Or, oh, oh yeah. Uh, man, I had so much hope then. Hey, Twink. Okay, so this is the Miller's Prologue, so we're moving on from the Knight's Tale. Nice. Everyone is very impressed. Yes, with the Knight's Tale, and the host calls to the monk to try to match it in quality. But before the monk can speak, the Miller, who is drunk, butts in, claiming that he himself has a noble, in quotation marks, tale um, with which to requite the knight. Oh my god, yes. The host tries to quiet the miller down and tells him, like, no. <laughs> Let some better man tell the next tale. Josh is like, no. <laughs> but the miller will not be pacified. He reminds everyone that since he's drunk, he's not responsible for his actions. <laughs> oh no, I'm the miller. <laughs> um, but he introduces his tale as the legend of a carpenter and his wife. That sounds great already. Come on, Jack. And how a clerk, or scholar, made a fool of, which Reed cuckolded, the carpenter. (laughs) The Reeve, who is a carpenter, remember, objects. (laughs) Like, I don't want to hear a story like that. But the miller will not be stopped. And he begins his tale with Chaucer as the narrator, like, apologizing for it in advance. Let's do it. So this is the miller's tale, a fan favorite. A fan favorite? Oh, I'm fucking, I'm in. This is one of the most famous ones. Okay. So there was a student of astrology at Oxford named Nicholas. I thought you were going to say Galileo. <laughs> no, he was not English. <laughs> Who boarded with a wealthy but foolish old carpenter named John and his sexy 18-year-old <laughs> wife, Alison. What? Uh, whom... What? What? Are you... what? <laughs> sexy 18-year-old? <laughs> yep. It's the Middle Ages, baby. Did they specifically say she was sexy, or did you just add that in? They specifically said Okay, that. so she's sexy. So right. she's sexy. She's Good. 18. No. So the carpenter, naturally, because he's old and she's young and beautiful, is very possessive and jealous of her. When the carpenter isn't around, Nicholas and Allison have begun to flirt. Oh. You know, because he's young, she's young, he's horny, she's horny. I get it. Um, one day as they're walking along, Nicholas grabs Allison, I'm pretty sure by the butt, yeah, that's no, how like, you grab uh, people. Yeah. <laughs> I just motioned. She just thrust it. <laughs> just moved her pelvis in a way it should not have been moving. <laughs> so she, she's like, oh, I'm going to call for help. But he like sweet talks her until she agrees to sleep with him some night when the carpenter isn't around. Well, she could just change her mind. <laughs> Nicholas could... says, don't worry about the carpenter. Leave him to me. Oh, he's going to well, fuck the where... carpenter as well. <laughs> this is where the story begins. Kind of. It hasn't begun? It's already so juicy. <laughs> However, in the neighborhood, there also lives a silly, vain parish clerk <gasps> named Absalom, who Ooh. also desires Alison. Who would play this guy? The Viserys from Game of Thrones again. <gasps> <laughs> That's what, yeah, he's just, yeah, he's yeah. like, got fuck energy. <laughs> he really does, doesn't he? Mm. All right. Okay. So Jack Black. Um, oh, he, no, Jack Black's telling the story. He's telling the story. Oh, yeah. Who's going to play? Okay. Okay. I just want to cast <laughs> him, all right? Because it makes well, me keep, visualize. Well, just keep listening because it might come near. I'm trying. Okay. 
he serenades her every night, buys her gifts, gives her money, but she still spurns him. Hmm. She's way more into Nicholas. Also, she's married. Yeah, well, that's so irrelevant. (laughs) Meanwhile, (laughs) Nicholas has come up with a plan that will allow Alison and he to spend an uninterrupted night together. (gasps) Is he going to send the husband to like a a fishing weekend or something? (laughs) Like a boys trip? In a way. Uh Uh-oh. Alison must tell John the carpenter that Nicholas has fallen ill. John sends a servant to check on him and they find Nicholas in a state of like catatonic shock staring at the ceiling with his eyes wide open. John thinks this is down to madness as a result of his studies because he's an astronomy and he's like inquiring into, into God's private business. It's true though. It's like you think too much about space and you will go, go crazy. Into, you will go crazy. Uh, however, Nicholas explains to him that he's had a vision from God <laughs> that next Monday waters twice as great as Noah's flood will cover the land. The carpenter buys this and fears for himself and his wife. So Nicholas tells John... This is what he's going to He's going to build an ark. This is kind of. He's got to fasten three tubs, like bathtubs, <laughs> whatever the medieval version of that was. Um, he's got to fasten three bathtubs to the roof, each with provisions and an axe to cut the tubs free from the roof and like the waters, right? <laughs> so on Monday night, they're all three of them each going to sleep in one of the tubs so that when the flood comes, they can like ride in the tubs to safety. You know what? I'm not, smart. I'm not mad about it. So God has also apparently commanded that they do nothing but pray once they're in the tub. They're not to speak to each other. So they're going to fuck in one tub and that guy's just supposed to take it because God told him to shut up. Oh, hang on. (laughs) So it's Monday night and Nicholas, John and Allison climb up a rope ladder into the tubs. Aren't their neighbors like, what are y'all doing up there? (laughs) So as soon as the carpenter's asleep, Nicholas and Allison climb back down into Allison's room where they proceed to have great sex for the rest of the night. Good for them. As it starts to dawn, however, Absalom passes by hoping to cajole Allison into giving him a kiss. So he sidles up to the window, which I assume is on the ground floor. And the carpenter's just in his tub. Yeah, he's just sleeping in his tub. <laughs> and he's like, you know what's kind of nice? <laughs> flood or no flood, I like it. Tub life. So he calls to her, and she tells him to go away, for she loves another. But he tries again. He tries his luck one last time, and oh she God. at last relents. But not before she makes what I presume is like a big, giant, cartoony wink to Nicholas. This is like the nice guy. <laughs> this guy, that nice um, trope. It's ducky. So Absalom leans forward and gives a long, lingering kiss in the dark, but he is shocked to feel a beard on his chin. Ah, it is not Allison's lips. Oh nope, <laughs> but her naked ass that he has kissed. Pubes. Oh, it's her pubes. <laughs> yeah. So she. I thought it was like the guy kissed him or something, but like so. No, she no, no, no. She. Pro- yeah, she She's asking, presented her ass out the window. She's asking for a rimming. <laughs> she got one. Good for her. Yes, Allison, get what you want. Butt stuff, 1400s. <laughs> like 2020, but 1400. Uh, yeah. She and Nicholas cackle with laughter, and Absalom stalks off wiping his mouth, and he's out for revenge now. Oh, no. <laughs> wiping his mouth, because presumably he's, I don't know, they don't wipe their asses. It's the Middle Ages. Oh, yeah. Oh. I don't know, it's probably super gross. God. Um, he finds a red hot iron poker. Oh no. Yeah. And he, he just finds one. He's like, man, I'm pissed. <laughs> huh, they're just around in the middle ages. <laughs> He's like, hey, neat. <laughs> he calls at the window again, asking for another kiss and oh, promising no. Allison a golden ring. This time, Nicholas wants in on the fun and he puts his own ass out the He's window. He's going to get branded. <laughs> However, before anything else can happen, he farts thunderously in Absalom's face. <laughs> They're really fucking with this guy. <laughs> They're really just getting him. Um, I want the carpenter to get in on it. 
like throw a tub at him or something. Um, in his revenge, Absalom brands Nicholas's buttocks with an iron poker. Are you telling me he would have done that to the woman? Yeah, I think he would have. And Nicholas leaps up in pain and he yells, water, water, because he wants water. Yeah. Which John the Carpenter, still in his tub on the roof, takes to mean that the flood rains have come. <laughs> and he cuts free the tub with the axe, which comes crashing to the ground, breaking his arm in the process. <laughs> oh, John. <laughs> So a gathering of townspeople assembled to investigate yeah, the some, source. Like someone's got a brain on their butt. <laughs> someone's arm is broken. Everyone's laughing. There's tubs everywhere. There's just two tubs. The carpenter tries to explain himself, but Allison and Nicholas deny everything, making the carpenter appear <gasps> mad. They're gaslighting him. It's yeah, in a big way. The townspeople have a good laugh, saying that all the parties involved have received their dues, except Allison, I guess. <laughs> Nothing bad happened to her. Well, she was going to get branded. She was, but she didn't. She got good sex. Yeah. And a good laugh. <laughs> and the miller finishes his tale by asking God to bless the company. And that's the end of the miller's tale. That's amazing. Thank you, Jack Black. <laughs> he should he should win. <laughs> he should the win. The short story writing competition. <laughs> okay, but a little bit later on, we have the wife of Bath. Take oh, the yep. Crowd favorite. Mm-hmm. Florence She's Pugh. another crowd favorite. She starts by saying that experience is a better teacher than book learning. That's At least true. insofar as marriage is concerned. And oh. she ought to know because she's had five husbands. She should ought to know. And she spends a while being like, and anybody that has a problem with that <laughs> might remember that God commanded us to be fruitful and multiply. And she reminds everyone that Solomon had lots of wives. How many kids does she have? Kids, I'm not sure. Oh. Um, but she thanks God that she has had five husbands. <laughs> and she says she picked out the best for herself, both of their lower purse, scrotum, as well as their money purse. Yes, bitch. <laughs> She's like... That's, you should have said it on your vows. <laughs> She's like, the best clerks study many subjects. Therefore, she's the best at marriage for having had five husbands. Okay. And she will welcome the sixth wherever he may appear. Oh, my God. Um, and she's also like, also, if God commanded everyone to be a virgin, there'd be no babies born to be virgins. <laughs> so, check me. Christians? All babies should fuck? No, but, like, there'd be no virgins if they weren't non-virgins. You know what I mean? Also, what did God make genitals for? <laughs> she, she calls it both fingers small. <laughs> both small things. Um, just to tell men and women apart and to urinate from? We all know they were made for procreation, too. And God isn't displeased by it. Not to say that being a virgin is bad, as we all know Christ was a virgin. And many saints were virgins as well. Mm-hmm. But, you know, some people like pure white bread and some like barley bread. <laughs> Is that how she phrases it? Yeah. Oh, my God. And she's like, and I will give my barley bread to my husbands both evening and morning. Oh, my God. <laughs> what an iconic feminist icon. She genuinely is. People are actually not in agreement as to whether this is, like, a sexist portrait or whether he, like, respects and loves her. Oh. Like, there's this whole, like, is Chaucer a feminist or not? We just Do, don't know. We can hold a seance and ask Paul Bettany. <laughs> yes. He's, he's just like... I'm alive, you know. Mm-hmm. That's my Paul Bettany impression. <laughs> I, I don't even know if this has... Like, I bet he just met this woman somewhere. And he's like, you're amazing and I'm going to write about you. <laughs> like, it doesn't seem like he's making any judgments yeah, or he's satirizing just, anything. She's just, just like, she's the baddest bitch in town and I love <laughs> yeah. her. So she considers her husband both her debtor and her slave. <laughs> um as the apostle commanded that husbands love their wives well. And at this point, the partner springs up and he's like, I was about to wed a woman this year, but I don't want to if I'm going to have to stop her whenever she wants. And she says, wait a minute, I haven't even started my tale yet. I'm going to give you some scenarios and then you can make up your mind about marriage. 
Is this pointed at me? Imagine it. So, she, so one of the lines she says, whoever will not be warned by the examples of other men shall be an example by which other men shall be corrected. Hmm. I like that. And he's like, pray tell, madam. So she goes. So she does. She pray tells. She starts by saying that of her five husbands, there were three good and two bad. So her husbands. So the three good men, they were the first ones. They were rich and old, but not great in bed. <laughs> and she treated them poorly. She says, since I already had them wholly in my hand and they'd already given me their land, why should I care to please them? <laughs> That's almost exactly what she says. Oh my God. And they always bought her little trinkets to please her and were extra glad when she wasn't like nice to them, but she was usually cruel and scolded them. Do you know who she is? She's not Florence Pugh. She's Miss Piggy. <laughs> oh my God. I would love a Muppet Canterbury Tales. And Can you imagine? All her husband's. Oh, or Kermit. <laughs> Different versions of Kermit. Kate, you need to draw this. And she accused them of paying more attention to the neighbors or the maids. Maybe because or she not was so mean. Nice enough clothes and, paying, uh, and coming home drunk. Because she's so and this mean. And this is her rationale. She's like, whoever first comes to the mill, first grinds. Um, I complained first, so our war was ended. So, like, she complained about them, so they wouldn't complain. <laughs> So they couldn't complain about her. That makes sense. She was like moral high ground always. Yet she made sure they believed that she had great affection for them in her heart. Um, if she went out late at night, she'd pretend she was spying on maids um, who she thought he was stepping out on her with. <laughs> Thus she was able to step out on him. Yeah, she's like, I'm not cheating. You're cheating. You're cheating. So she's basically gaslighting Whoever smelt it, dealt it. <laughs> So she'd endure all his lust for profit, even though in bacon, and by bacon she means old meat. So oh, yikes. She would never delight. So she's like, I don't enjoy it. She's like, I don't want beef jerky. I want fresh prime cut ribs. But she'll do it for money. For his money. Although everything she took from them, she paid back. Oh. Kept them well fed at their table, oh. well kept in their beds, etc. Oh, see, there you go. Now her fourth husband. Oh, here we go. He was a reveler and he had a mistress. The wife herself was young and could sink as sweetly as a magpie and dance as well as anyone when she'd had some wine and she gives this pithy couplet for as sure as cold engenders hail a gluttonous mouth must have a lecherous tail <laughs> if you drink a lot of wine you're gonna have sex that is true mm -hmm. wine makes you either horny or sleepy or both no it gives me a headache <laughs> well white wine does yeah but anyway she was angry and jealous so she made his life hell anyway he died when she came back from pilgrim pilgrimage to jerusalem why didn't he go with her good riddance i don't know busy. <laughs> busy now her fifth husband rest in peace was a complete scoundrel who beat her it was oh. apparently great in bed oh he's a tomcat and he'd win her back through his magic touch oh. and she says um we women all have this one curious fantasy that we want whatever we may not have yes and cry and crave it all day oh my god she's so right anyway this husband <laughs> was formerly i know it's so relatable so was formerly a scholar in oxford Okay, so Kermit isn't this one. This this one's, um, who's a hot Muppet? Who's, like, a dangerous Muppet? I think at a point like this, they would, like, pair her with a human celebrity. Oh, like, oh, that's so cool. Like, John Am or something. Yeah. It's John Am. <laughs> so, he'd left school to come and live with a close friend of hers, also named Allison, actually. Mm. Um, while she was still with her fourth husband, Allison and Alice were super close, and they knew all each other's secrets. Alice is the wife of Buff. One day, Jenkin the clerk, that's this hot guy, the fifth husband, Alison and Alice all went to the fields. Alice's husband was in London till spring, so she flounced around town in her scarlet dress. And while they're in these fields, they have such dalliance. Sorry. Which I think means... Orgy? 
well, sex between Jenkin and Alice, at least. Jenkin says that were Alice a widow, he would wed her. And, and she was like, well, that could happen. <laughs> pretty much. And, uh, and she says, she lies and pretends she dreamed of him at night. She just told him, I dream of you at night. Very easy to say that. Yeah. Can't prove it either. Now, when her fourth husband was on the funeral beer, she made a show of mourning hmm. that was expected of her. And Jenkin was actually one of the men carrying the body. <laughs> and she followed, He's like, see ya. And she followed behind while he was carrying the body. And she yeah. noticed that he had such a great pair of legs. I thought you were going to say his dick was hard. I was like, <laughs> how did you see that from behind? No, he just had a nice butt and legs. And so she was like, decided she was in love with him then. Yeah, of course. Yeah. All right. You know what? I get her. At the time, he was 20 and she was 40. But she had a gap tooth and was considered very attractive. Oh. In those days. Um, and truly, as all her husbands told her, she had the nicest vagina in the world. Nice. That's in the poem. Good for her. Good for her. <laughs> so she and Jenkins get married and all her inherited property passes to him. Oh, no. Yeah. However, when... she soon regretted it bitterly as he wouldn't allow her any of her desires like her previous husband's. And he hit her once in the ear because she'd torn a leaf out of one of his books. Um, and he'd done it so hard that she was now deaf in that ear. Oh, no. I know. Like, I'm in Fight Club. And he, like, punches <laughs> him in the ear. Yeah. And he wouldn't let her wander around either or go on pilgrimage, which, ah! as you know, she likes to do. She loves it. Um, but as she would continually go against his wishes. And she goes on to explain the book she'd torn a page out of was a compendium of funny stories about wicked wives, which he was always reading. And she presented that. <laughs> she was like, fuck your book. <laughs> He's like, all he did was read this cursed book that shat on women, and she got fed up and ripped three pages out of the book, like, as he was reading them. Good. And punched him in the face. Oh, my God. Causing him to fall backwards into the fire, which is why he hit her on the ear. All right. <laughs> oh, my God. Remember the Judy and punch? That was great. So then he leaps up like a furious lion, punches her, knocking her clean unconscious, although now he's scared he's killed her. Yeah. And he's about to flee the scene when she comes to him and starts yelling at him, accusing him of murdering her for her land, and then he leans down and kisses her and asks for forgiveness. So she made him do it. Um, so, you know, it's been going on for a while. Did they, like, did they, like angry fuck or something after that? Uh, no, but she slaps him in the face once again and eventually argues her way into making him burn the book, return <laughs> her control of her land. Nice. Um, as well as his tongue in his hand. What? <laughs> Like he cuts it off and gives it to her? No, I think she's just like in control of him now. Nice. And he acquiesces to her saying she can now do as she pleases for the rest of her life. Asking her only to guard her honor and his reputation. Good. She got and it. And they've not had an argument since. Although she talks about him in the past tense, so I think he's died as well. They are, they, you can't divorce. <laughs> That's not a thing. You're, no, it's not. You either die or you, you stay there. The friar comments that this is the longest intro to a tale ever. <laughs> and the summoner Ever. tells him off saying a fryer and a fly will also fall in wherever they're not wanted Aww. like into the ointment <laughs> um, and the fryer's like you won't be so smug when I tell a story about a dumber summoner and the summoner's like you wait till I tell a story about but a shitty fryer and the host says shut up both of you and let the lady speak okay so now we actually get to the tale <laughs> oh she was just doing an intro she was just talking about her life <laughs> she was me when I talked about the story yeah. and now she's getting oh god into the tale okay so hers is an Arthurian legend. In the time of Arthur, there was an elf queen who danced very often in a great meadow. Of course, there aren't any fairies anymore because every place where fairies may have once walked is clogged with begging friars like moats in a sunbeam. Bit of a shade of the friar there. And the friar's like, hey, what the fuck? <laughs> Women, therefore, can walk around without fear of any spirit, any evil spirit doing them harm, except friars, which will only do them dishonor because they're lecherous, remember? <laughs> the friar's just like, again, what the fuck? <laughs> so anyway... 
In King Arthur's castle, there lived a lusty bachelor that was on his way back from hawking one day when he saw a maiden and he just had to rape her. Is hawking hunting hawks? Hunting with hawks, using hawks. Oh, oh he just had to rape her, yeah. Yeah, so he does. Um, so he does. The whole town demands mm. justice from King Arthur, which is nice. Oh, great. Oh, yeah. good for them. Rare. Um, so the knights condemned to death. Nice. By the course of law, he'd have been beheaded. But anyway, the queen and her maids plead for his life to King Arthur, because I guess they're showing their piety or whatever. Ah, oh, fuck all. Um, who lets him off with a stern warning. <laughs> Don't rape again. <laughs> Don't do it. Fucking hell. He puts his fate into the hands of the queen, actually. And the queen tells him that she'll let him avoid being put to death if he can answer her the question, what thing is it that women most desire? And if he couldn't answer it right away, she'd give him leave to look for the answer for a year and a day. Not getting murdered. You'd think. Not getting ghosted. (laughs) Don't ghost him. Don't ghost him. He goes out into the world and asks around. He looks in every house, but he cannot find (laughs) two creatures in the world that can agree on the answer. He's like... You're a woman. What do you want? What do women want? He's Mel Gibson. And what women want, God. He's Mel Gibson. First of all, that is such a bad movie that mm. I remember me and Karen and Isabel tried shit watching it once and we could only get like halfway through. Because mm. I've seen it once before like when I was younger and I didn't think it was great. That bad. No. But then I watched it again and I'm like, like, I wow. cannot sit through this. <laughs> so he can't find any two people who agree. On the answer. Some say women love riches best. Some honor. Some gaiety. Some rich clothing. Some lust in bed. Some love to be widowed. Some love to... <laughs> widowed. And then... Um, and then the... And then Miss Piggy... The wife Pig, of Miss Piggy's like, that was me. <laughs> that was my answer. Some like to be wedded. That's some you. said women like to be flattered and pleased. The wife of Bath thinks this answer is actually the closest to the truth. Mm. Some said freedom. Some said reputation. By um, like for discretion, but the wife of Bath disagrees with this one and reminds us the tale of Midas. You recall he was the king with, the, with, the, with his touch. Yeah, he could turn things into gold, but he also was cursed with the ears of an ass, and he hid it from everyone except his wife. But she told the secret to the river because <laughs> secrets were out in time. The river. Little... Were we there? <laughs> it was a little baby moral. They like to slip little baby morals in. Anyway, Sir Rapist can't seem to find the answer to Guinevere's question. Was not was the answer not like oh I don't want to be raped? <laughs> You'd think. Because that was the answer they were looking for, right? When the women want to be safe. <laughs> um, but he becomes very vexed about it. But a year and a day drawing to a close and he knows he must go back to the kingdom. He could just not go back. That's funny. <laughs> he could just leave. He's a knight and he has honor, I guess. Does he, though? I don't know. As he rides, he comes upon over two dozen ladies dancing by far side. So he walks on over in the hopes that they'll be able to give him the answer. <laughs> but as soon as he drew near them, they vanish. Oh, fair. In their place is an ugly old hag. Oh, who rose as he approached and warned him there is no road out of that place and told him to tell her what he sought. He tells her that he's as good as dead unless he can find out the thing that women most desire and she agrees to tell him. Oh, dope. If he pledges to do a favor for her. So he pledges his word and she tells him that his life is safe for she indeed knows the answer that he seeks. The favor could be like eat your own poop or something. He doesn't even know. Yeah. Anyway, she whispers the answer in his ear and she accompanies him back to court. So the knight goes up to Guinevere and he says, I've been true to my word. I'm here a year and a day later and I have the answer to your question. Nice. And all the court gathers around to hear him. And I he like says, how it's a year and a day later. Mm. It's so extra. And this is the answer. Sovereignty over their husband and their loves. And to be in mastery above them. None of the women could deny what he said, but all agreed that he should be allowed to live. Ugh. And with that, the old woman sprang to her feet and tells the court how the knight pledged her to do the first thing she asked of him once he had helped win his freedom. <gasps> what and she it? asked the queen to be a witness. 
And what she asks of him is that he take her to wife. Oh. The old hag. He's gutted that he's going to have to marry this hag. And he begs her to ask something else. All is worldly good. And she's like, no, you have to marry me or I'm going to curse you forever. She's probably going to turn hard or something. It's like a test of character. (laughs) Yeah. He bewails his own degradation. (laughs) But a pledge is a pledge. And so the next morning, the two of them are wedded in private because he's embarrassed. And he goes away to hide in his room until the night where he's obliged to bring her to bed. And she's all laid out on the bed like Kate Winslet. In Titanic? Yeah. Or like me. She's like, what's wrong, babe? (laughs) Like (laughs) Like me waiting as he pees and I'm just like... Under the watchful eyes mm, of T.J. Heckelberg. <laughs> and she's like, what's wrong, babe? Do all of Arthur's knights act this way? He's like, man, you're so old and ugly and low-born. It's like a Darcy proposal. <laughs> I know. I was like, Mr. Darcy? Is that Yassi? <laughs> <laughs> and she's like, if this is your problem, I can amend it in three days, but only if you act with gentility towards me as, ben- as befits someone of your blood. Oh, dope. Okay. And she goes into how nobleness is not conveyed by birth, as we can often see those of noble lineage behaving badly. Why did you say that to me? <laughs> <laughs> so pointedly. Moreover, it's better that she's poor than not, for God favors poor people, according to the Bible. That's good Does thing. he, though? <laughs> and if I'm ugly and old, then you don't need to fear being cuckolded, right? That's true. So, filth and age are great guardians of chastity. She says, that's very true. And she gives him a choice. Choose her to be old and ugly and always be a true, humble wife to him. Or else choose her to be young and beautiful and take his chances with the crowd of usurpers of her love that will surround them. Okay. And he sighs and goes, my lady, my wife so dear, choose yourself which you'd rather. Ah. Whatever you'd prefer is good enough for me. <laughs> it's like, where you want to eat? I don't know. <laughs> so she tells him to kiss her. And says that for such a good answer, she will be both beautiful and true. Oh, dope. For him. And he raises up the curtain of her, I'm assuming, four-poster bed. <laughs> yeah, like, yeah, they've got, like, <laughs> and it's like a mosquito net or something. Yeah, like, and they were talking through a curtain this whole time. <laughs> I was like, who said that? <laughs> and it's revealed that, yes, she is a beautiful young fairy queen. Yeah, of course. Come on, man. The wife of Bath ends the story with a prayer to God to send all women husbands who are meek, Young and vigorous in bed. Oh, yeah. And also to send women the grace to outlive them. Oh. I know. What a hero. <laughs> Does she win? <laughs> I didn't know one wins because he didn't finish the story. <laughs> God, why Why did he die before he finished? <laughs> middle age. Paul Bettany, please. <laughs> okay. So now we're moving on to the partner. He's the oily um, guy selling false Relics this and is stuff. the second to last story, isn't it? Because yeah. you've gone through three and we have five. Okay. Yeah. Second to last. There are the, the, like a couple of tales happen in between these. Yeah. The last one we just had was the monk. Oh, is um, that a sad Doing one? literally just a list of tragedies. Like he's just, remember this one and this one and this one. He's like, remember <laughs> Caesar? Remember Alexander? Remember Augustus? <laughs> and everyone's like, great. Everyone's like, this is so boring. He remarks how the gifts of fortune and nature can cause the death of many a creature. Mm-hmm. And he asks, Oh, this is actually the physician's one, but it's a similar, like, um, Physici- tragedy thing. Physician, like, a doctor. Yeah. And he asks God to bless all of the physician's medical tools and urine <laughs> samples. <laughs> and the pee. Yeah. And he says, if he doesn't hear a merry tale soon, his heart will be lost. And he turns to the partner and says, now, you rascal, tell us a comic tale right away. And the partner's like, sure, but first here's a tavern. I'll have some beer and eat some cake. <laughs> but the whole crew starts yelling, no, we don't want a crass tale. We want something nice and moral and witty. Okay. And he says, sure, but I'll have to think for a bit while I drink. And he begins to tell them about how when he preaches in churches, he makes sure to have a loud voice. His main tract is that greed is the root of all evil. A little so bit. I gotta get it. But... but then he starts hawking his, like, 
indulgences that you can buy to clear your sin. Which are, like, probably forgery. <laughs> He's, like, promoting. Yeah, literally. <laughs> He's, like, self-promo. Yeah. <laughs> and in his spiel, he'll talk about all the bishops and cardinals that he's pardoned. He's like a little con man, isn't he? He is. And how he uses a Latin word or two to spice up his preaching. You know who he is? He's Bradley Whitford. He literally says the med- the Middle English equivalent of spice up. <laughs> he's like, I spice up my speeches with Latin. It's called, to sa- he says, uh, to saffron. <laughs> which means to spice up because it's saffron to spice. Yeah. I just love it. Love Middle English. I like that. Anyway, he sells crystals. Oh my God. Bones. He's on Instagram these days. <laughs> um, oh my god. I love he, yeah, that. he purports these like these rag rags full of bones as relics of saints, but they're actually like sheep bones. Oh my god. And he says that if people buy these things, they'll be cured of their illnesses. So he's basically bragging bragging about being a scam artist. A con man. Mm-hmm. And he brags that he's made a hundred marks a year through these methods, and he doesn't care whether the poor who give him their money to be absolved of sin will die of hunger, because he'll have wine and cheese and a wench in every town. All this to say, though he may not be a moral man himself, he can certainly tell them a moral tale, because it's his job. So this is the partner's tale. In Flanders, there once was a company of three young people who gambled, patronized brothels and taverns, the whole debauched rigmarole. Mm. They danced. (laughs) Dorian Gray. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. Um, But like Middle Ages style. Dorian Gray. Gray. Greg. Greg. I don't know. DG. (laughs) <laughs> um, so they dance and dine into the wee hours and generally had a great life. Oh, good for and them. And they swore a lot. Then he oh. gives a couple examples of how drunkenness leads to lecherousness in the Bible. Like Lot, who lay with his two daughters in drunken insensibility, etc. And then he has this bit, which is great. Oh gut, oh belly, oh stinking bag, filled with dung and corruption. At either end of thee, the sound is foul. How great labor and cost it is to feed thee. What? So he's... <laughs> no, I heard it, but yeah, he's talking about like how like the belly is so bad, it's gross and stinky. The and belly like it costs a, a lot. A like stomach having a oh, stomach. Oh, you're greed. Yeah, I guess. Much. Okay, I got, I got it. I'm there now. So it's wee hours of the morning, and the three revelers hear a clink of a bell that denoted a corpse being carried to its grave. Oh, so they send one of their servants to find out who the, the old corpse, corpse is. bell. Yeah, <laughs> you know, you know. And the boy goes, "Oh, I already know who it is. He's an old friend of yours." <laughs> They're like, "You weren't gonna tell us." <laughs> Um, it's like I thought you knew <laughs> who was murdered tonight as he sat on a bench drunk out of his mind and there's the drinking again you have literally a glass of wine in your hand right now oh, she's talking about. and now it's in your mouth mm-hmm. the whole glass <laughs> I just unhinged my jaw like a snake <laughs> like the snake that Kate mm-hmm. drew because we're yeah. the snakes a stealthy thief called death Ooh. clove his heart in two with a spear says the boy that's pretty cool so death killed him <laughs> yeah um, the tavern keeper agrees with the boy, mentioning there's a family of three that had all died and figuring that death must reside in the village. So I think it's like a little bit metaphorical, but a little bit But like, also there's a serial killer. Also there's like a guy called death, maybe. Like, you know, <laughs> maybe there's a serial killer. It's Who a knows? metaphorical tale, like whatever. So the servant boy warns them to be wary of such an adversary and to be always ready to meet him. So they all agree to find this false traitor death and slay him. So they all leap up in a drunken rage and head towards the village that the tavern keeper mentioned. Yeah. They're just like, time to kill. <laughs> time to kill death. On their way, they meet an old man who wishes them luck, but they snap at him. And they're like, why are you wrapped up in rags to your face? And how'd you live to be so old? And the man... Wit- <laughs> why are you old? <laughs> and the man wittily replies that he cannot find a young man. Though he's walked all the way to India and back looking for one who might swap his own youth for my old age. Get it? 
No. It's witty. So he's like, man, I look for a youthful person to swap his youth for my age, but I just can't find one. That's why I'm so old. It's He's the painting of Dorian Gray? Yes. Okay. And he mentions that death won't take him either. And Aww. he tells them off for being rude to him, reminding them that the Bible says to treat the elderly folk how you wish to be treated when you're elderly yourself. But they're like, hey, you mentioned that traitor, death. You probably, you're, you're probably his spy. <laughs> and in league with him to slay us young people. <laughs> and he says, wow, I sure aren't. <laughs> sure. Oh my God, this is like the boomer story. <laughs> but if you're so keen to find him, go up that crooked path into that grove. I left him back there by an oak tree. So they stalk off. Oh, don't do that. But at the tree, they find eight bushels of florins. Which are gold coins. Oh, fun. And they give up their quest to find death immediately because they obviously have more important things to think about now. Yeah, all this money. And one of the ruffians says, we have to carry this treasure back to ours at night so no one kills us for it, right? Yeah, yeah, I see um, Or thinks we've stolen it and hangs us. So you let's kind all... of stole it. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. So let's all draw straws and the person with the shortest straw has to run back to town to secretly get us food and drink for the wait, right? Yep, got it. So, He's like the Uber Eats guy. Exactly. The one who had the idea organizes the straws, and the youngest one drew the shortest straw. So he runs away to town. Oh, and as soon as he's gone, the first one speaks to the other one, and they conspire to cut him out of profit. <laughs> when no. he comes back, they're going to stab him. Meanwhile, oh. the youngest, who's going to fetch the food, is thinking about how nice it would be to have all the Florence to himself. Oh. So Satan, who's happening by. <laughs> oh my god, is that a wish I hear? <laughs> he puts it into his mind to go get some poison. Um, because Satan can do that to naughty, licentious boys. He's like, what about some poison? You want to buy some poison? <laughs> hey, little boy. <laughs> Satan's got like a trench coat. He's like, y'all looking for poison? <laughs> <laughs> so he gets some poison. And he goes back and he gets three large bottles of wine and pours poison into two of them. God, it's so easy to just get poison back then. <laughs> it is too. And now too, you're just going to know where to go, my friend. Where's Josh? <laughs> <laughs> I haven't heard from him in a while. Milo, stop snoring. Thank you. So he gets back, they stab him, then they drink the drinks he bought, and then they die. So they all <laughs> die. And they found death on the hill, just like the old man said, oh, right? Oh, that's sweetie. Yeah. Oh, he's, he's not snoring, he's dreaming. Oh. Oh, is he chasing a rabbit? Can you guys hear that? Yes. So the partner... So that's the end of the story, basically. You won't go. He's like, I'm going to kill you. Not if I kill you first. <laughs> the partner <gasps> begins hawking his pardons. Was like, the old man death all along? Maybe. Oh. He's like, what if you guys fell off your horses and died? Wouldn't you rather be absolved of your sins? Kiss these relics for a silver coin. And the horse says, <laughs> he's, no. He's got like a pyramid scheme. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Oh my god. And that's the true story of what happened to three of my friends. <laughs> He's literally like a cult leader pyramid. Mm-hmm. Bradley Whitford, that's fine. Alright, um, last two. So it's like, kiss these relics. And the host's like, no, you're a scam artist. You'd have me kiss your gross poo-stained underpants and say they belong to a saint. I'd rather have your balls in my hands so I could cut them off and bury them in a hog's turd. Pretty hardcore. I didn't make that up. He just said all that. In like middle English, but that was literally what he said. <laughs> the partner is too angry to retort, but the knight quickly steps in and says, Now, gentlemen, kiss and make up, which they do. Oh, yeah, nice. nice. I'm just going to briefly mention two other tales. Okay, the prioress, special mention. Yeah, the prior. <laughs> yeah. Um, runners up. Runners the up. Prioress Wait, sorry, tale. before you do this again, is the last one you would say the best one? Are you saving it for last because it's great? Or is it just, it's there? I love it. Okay, you love it. I don't know if it's the best one. Okay. It's, it's the really, best one for you. It's really cute. And, and I actually kind of did them in order-ish. Oh, okay. Yeah. All right. Special mentions. Okay. Special mentions. The Prioress's Tale. The hoo-ha-ha. She's like the nun. The Pri- nun oh, yeah. Lady who's fancy. Fancy nun. Um, and I'm just mentioning it because it's the story of Hugh of Lincoln. 
So it is the most anti-Semitic thing I've ever read. It's about this little boy who lives in a town in Asia and he loves singing for the Virgin Mary so much that he walks to school past the Jewish district every day singing his little heart out for the Virgin Mary and the Jews hate it so much and then they murder him. And then like he sings even in death and then all the Jews get like revenge killed. They Great. get hung, drawn, and quartered. Yeah. That is the darkest and, thing I've ever heard. Yeah, it's pretty pretty bad. And then everyone celebrates. But he's just singing his little heart out. He's singing his little heart out. I don't think... Which Muppet plays him? Um, the, uh, the one that <laughs> the plays frog. Timmy. Yeah, the little tiny frog. So yeah, it's just... Tiny Tim. I, like, I knew that the Middle Ages were like super anti-Semitic, but I never really like read a, like, a blood libel story before. And it was like a blood what sorry blood libel story. What does um, that mean? Oh, like blood libel was like this rumor that Jews would like sacrifice Christian children or like kill Christian children. Jesus Christ! How did this happen? <laughs> I know. It was, I was like, it was shocking. <laughs> what well, wasn't Jesus Christ Jewish? Yeah. But the why did they? Hate? I, okay, that's yeah. for a different podcast. We're yeah. not qualified for we this. We can go into detail on that one later if you guys request. No, don't. Um, the other one I wanted to mention was Sir Topaz. Okay. And this is Chaucer's Tale. Oh my God, Paul Bettany, what did he say? Um, it's like this classic romance about like a young knight who like finds a fairy queen and falls in love with her and wrestles a giant and stuff. But he's like stopped in the middle of it because it's so bad. It's just really bad. And the host is like, stop. We hate it. Did he burn himself <laughs> yes! in his own book? He's- yes, it's adorable. It's so funny. Aww. It's so funny. He like he's like purposefully doing a bad tale. For like the humor of it, I guess. He's doing it for the vine. Yeah. And so yeah, and so like then the the host is like, no more of this, for God's sake. You, you make me. I'm exhausted by your illiterate rhymes. No, the host isn't Josh. The host is me. <laughs> and then he asks Chaucer to tr- tell him something in prose instead. And then Chaucer goes on this super long, dry, boring tract about like this king and his wife named Prudence and all the advice she gives him because it's like a metaphor because she's Prudence. Prudence. Which is, I think it's so funny that this is the one that he has himself tell in the story. He's just like, I'm That's humble, great. you know. <laughs> I'm not like other writers. It's, yeah, he's like, he's, you know, you know, stand up. So like pretend to be bad stand ups. Mm hmm. Like it's self-referential. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Um, so before I go into the nun's priest prologue, this is my last story. Nice. Um, the, just know that the monk did like a bunch of tragedies. Like I told you, he did like yeah. Julius Caesar. And, and everyone's like, we know. Yeah. It's like when you, um, <clears throat> it's like when you watch the news and it's all the bad things <laughs> and you're like, where's the kitten fluff stories? <laughs> so it's actually the knight here who interrupts the monk and says he's sick of hearing sad stories. I was like, I just got back from the crusades. <laughs> I just want something a bit entertaining and light. Oh. I'm a knight. And the host agrees and he says, everyone hates the monk's tail. <laughs> he says, if the monk didn't have jingling bells on either side of his bridle, claims the host, the host would have fallen off his horse asleep. Okay, first of all, why isn't the host the MVP? <laughs> he is. He's pretty great. I'm sad he doesn't tell the tale himself, but I think he's the judge, so he can't. He can't. Um, anyway, the host tells him to say a story about hunting instead because the monk hunts, you know, even though he's not really meant to because he's a monk. But the monk refuses. He's a bit, like, hurt. <laughs> they, like, shout on his tail. First of all, I'm shitting on this monk. How dare he call himself a monk and he's hunting? You can only <laughs> yeah. be one, you little hypocrite. Yeah. So instead, the, ho- the host, the horse. The horse. <laughs> Imagine the, the host, host was, was a horse. horse. A talking horse. 
It's spirit. A stand up horse. It's spirit voice. No, no. Oh my god. The horse pulls out a microphone. It's laying. That reminds me of a funny story. No, the the horse is Maximus from Tangled. I was thinking Altiva from the Road to El Dorado, but they're basically the same horse. They are. Yeah. You know, f- f- stern. <laughs> yeah, they just have a lot of facial expression. And a stickler to the, for the rules. So the monk refuses. So the host turns to the nun's priest. So the priest who's riding with the prioress. And asks him for a tale instead. And he's like, your horse is shit, but I'm sure that doesn't reflect on your storytelling ability. <laughs> so Thanks, The nun's father. priest is like, okay. Here's <laughs> my tale. Here we go. So, Sandy's uh, personal fave. Yeah. You'll, you'll like it. A poor gouty widow lives in a small cottage with two daughters. They don't have much, but they get by by prudently and eating moderately. And the gout doesn't stop her from dancing. Oh, she so has three large ca- uh, pigs oh. and a sheep named Mally. And she also has a rooster named Chantelicleer. <laughs> and he's gorgeous. Can I see how it's spelled? C-H-A-U-N-T-E-C-L-E-E-R. And let me tell you, that's a bitch to type. Chantelicleer. And he's gorgeous. He has like blue legs and a beautiful black beak and a big bright red crest. Like greasy from the biggest little yes. farm. <laughs> um, and he also holds the time better than any timepiece. Oh, good for him. He just can sense where the heavens are, apparently. And he's like, time to crow. <laughs> he's the best. He's the best rooster in the world. Oh, good so, for him. This is the passage of the celestial equator in that same town. When degrees 15 were ascended, he crowed so that it could not be improved. Why? So he was just the best at crowing at exactly the right time. When Don't they just crow when it's morning? Not this guy. When does he crow? He's a clock. On the hour? Every hour? Like Big Ben? <laughs> yes. <laughs> no, I love you at exactly the same time every morning. Anyway, he's got seven hens in his harem. What oh, nice. And the prettiest is fair demoiselle Pertolotte. <laughs> These are just hands and they're <laughs> so know, this fancy. Is my favorite. I can imagine them as like, like, <laughs> <laughs> like preening. And she was so beautiful and a good-natured hen. That Chantelicleur was in love with her completely. <laughs> and they used to sing together in English because this is in a far off time when beasts were able to speak and sing. Bees? Like beasts. Oh. Animals. So one dawn when they're all snoozing in their roosts together, Chantelicleur cries out in his speech and Pertolotte is like, what's wrong? And he tells her that he's had a nightmare and asks her if she could divine the meaning of it. And the nightmare was, he was roaming around their yard, yeah. pecking seeds. Yeah, you know. Rooster Just stuff. Rooster stuff. And when he sees a beast <gasps> shaped like a hound, but its colors betwixt yellow and red. Remember, medieval people didn't actually have a word for orange. <laughs> it came after the discovery of the orange. So they used to, that's why redheads are called redheads. Because they're like, it's red. Because <laughs> they didn't have a word for orange. Anyway. That's really interesting, though. Don't, don't hmm. breeze past, but that was great. <laughs> the beast had black ears and a black snout. And it looked like it was going to kill Chantelicleur. <gasps> no. And he says, that was why I yelled in my sleep for fear. And she says, shame on you, you coward. I cannot love a coward. Why? Cluck, cluck. Cluck, cluck. How is he a coward? It was a scary dream. <laughs> and she tells him off because bad dreams are products of overeating. Oh. According to medieval Well, actually, medicine. like cheese gives you weird dreams. Yeah. So. Apparently, stomach vapors mixed with bodily humors. This is what they thought back then. He's a rooster. Can't he catch a break? <laughs> <laughs> and she says he has too much red choleric humor. That's why he dreamt of the red bee. So there were four. This is going to be hard to explain quickly, but there were four humors believed to, that made up the human body. And you can have, and, and having too much of one produced different, like, illnesses. So you what can have the... black bile, yellow bile, blood, and yellow? Did I say yellow already? You literally. Phlegm. 
Okay. And like, so if you had too much black bile, you were melancholic and depressed. And yeah, if you had too much blood, you were sanguine and angry all the time or whatever. So it's that kind of thing. Keep going. If you're yellow, what is it? I don't know. I don't oh. know all of them. It'll come up again. I like that. It's interesting. So but anyway, she reckons he has too much red cholericuma. And that's why he dreamed of a red beast. Mm. Similarly, if he had too much black bile melancholic humor, he would have been dreaming of black beasts like bears or bulls. And she says, you need to get some laxative herbs <laughs> to purge yourself of these bad humans. These are roosters. And this is what she chickens. says. A day or two, you shall have digestives of worms before you take your laxatives of spurge, laurel, century, and fumatory. That's what the laurels are, the, the herbs are. Or else hellebore that grows there, or caper spurge, or rhamus. These are all the things, laxatives, that he could take. <laughs> and, he, and she says pick them right up as they grow <laughs> and she quotes Cato she's a very well read chicken oh my god and she says dreams have no significance but he takes issue with the point and argues that they do sometimes and he gives some anecdotal evidence about a guy who slept in an ox's stall and dreamed he was murdered but then he ignored it and then he got murdered um, and then he talks about how naughty and bad murder is for a while they're chickens few more dreamed it. Yeah, but they're very wise chickens <laughs> the farmer's just like what the fuck <laughs> He's like, I put no store in laxatives, but they are poisonous. I know it well. I renounce laxatives. <laughs> I love them. Not at all. Nothing like laxatives. Then they do some chicken stuff. You know, um, pecking around for seed. He embraced per Pertilotta 20 times and copulated with her also as often before it was 6 a.m. <laughs> oh, wow. He's a stud. <laughs> he is a stud. a stud. However, what calamity should happen next but then a fox? <gasps> He's dwelled in the grove next door for three years. Orange, and it's got black, black. So the fox, whose name is Russell, which I think is cute, lays low Mm. in a bed of cabbages until 9 a.m., waiting for the chickens to come out. This is literally the biggest little farm. (laughs) The narrator likens the fox to Judas Iscariot. Jesus. Uh, And then he also mentions that women's counsels are very often fatal. (laughs) So he's blaming Pertilotta. Don't you dare. Um, And then he says, well, jokes, women are great, don't at me. (laughs) <laughs> lol jokes <laughs> he's like because but because I know not to whom it might displease if I would blame council of women pass over before I said it as a joke those are the words <laughs> he's just like before you at me yeah but as Sean Leclerc watches a butterfly fly <gasps> over the cabbages he notices the fox and he starts <gasps> crying cock cock <laughs> and as he tries to run away the fox says gentle sir don't be afraid of me I'm your friend no <laughs> type of thing you're gonna and- eat my wives and he says that he only wants to hear the chickens sing because their voices are so beautiful, like the angels in heaven. Right, and Chant right. Leclerc is very vain, so he's won over by this flattery. Chant Leclerc! <laughs> and when he does, the fox leaps up. So he begins to sing, and then the fox leaps up and grabs him around the throat and drags him off. Oh, no. And here, the narrator thinks it's very important to tell us that this was a Friday. <laughs> by the way, it's Friday. <laughs> you know, ready for the weekend. <laughs> Then the hens cry for Chantelecler with all the gusto of the women of Troy. And what? the hens cry so loudly that the widow and her daughters come out to check on them. I forgot about them! Yeah, and they see the fox running over Chantelecler and they gather some men and dogs from the village and they run after him and the noise of all the humans shouting and animals and they like make a reference to like this like civil unrest thing. So this is how they dated the manuscript because they're like, oh, so it's after that happened. <laughs> Like 1387 or something. It's topical. Yeah. A little bit of referential humor. (laughs) There's so much noise it causes a swarm of bees to rise out of the trees. And the men are blowing trumpets. Like it's a full-on fox hunt now. (laughs) And Sean Leclerc's just like, literally getting dragged. (laughs) Then Sean Leclerc gives the fox some advice. He's like, 
why don't you turn around and tell your pursuers to leave you alone or you'll eat me right now. And the fox reckons that's a really good idea. So he turns around, but when he opens his mouth to say it, Sean Leclerc is like, whoop. Yeah, he falls out of the mouth. Yeah, he gets out of the mouth and he runs away. And the fox is like, that's God a really good idea. <laughs> this is fantastic, Mr. Fox. Yeah, I know, but the clever fox says, Sean Leclerc, I'm very sorry for offending you by grabbing you by the neck. If you come with me, I'll tell you the real reason I wanted to talk to you. Like, Stop it. Stop going to this fox, Sean Leclerc. <laughs> and Sean Leclerc is like, no, you're not going to trick me again. Oh, he got it. And the poet ends with a moral that no one should be careless and trust flattery, nor should they open their mouth when they should shut up. First of all, <laughs> the next pet I have ever will be named Chant Leclerc. Chant Leclerc. What's the, what's the little uh, Pertolotta? Oh my god, I want two birds. Yeah. Chant Leclerc, Pertolotta. Two little lovebirds. Or like um, two Pertolotte. hamsters. Yeah. Chant Leclerc. <laughs> no, that's a great name for a cat. Mm-hmm. And the epilogue of the nun's priest tale is the host blesses the nun's priest's butt and every testicle. Oh, yeah. And he says that he enjoyed the story very much. Um, and if the priest weren't in the church, he'd be a very good chicken farmer. Oh! And he compliments his very broad chest. <laughs> <laughs> you kind of hard, though. Yeah, so there's no official end to the story. Because he does. That is the yeah. end to my story. I like that um, he basically wrote, like, how many tales is it? So, 24. 24. But he intended to write, like, some hundred. Yeah, tales. so he yeah. wrote 24 tales, all from, like, the perspective of another character about yeah. what that character would think is a good tale. Yeah, and values and, like, and in different classes of society. So, in in close, in conclusion, mm. I like the Canterbury Tales. Mm-hmm. Uh, what's the name, the one that I like? Chant Leclerc? Chant Leclerc. That's a great name, and it should come back in <laughs> yeah. fashion immediately. Mm-hmm. And uh, don't ghost people, guys. <laughs> Just tell them. Just tell them. I feel like we should include this, but there is mm. a lot of getting cut. But this mm. is also funny. The last time mm. I was honest with a person mm-hmm. and I told them um, I was talking to them on Hinge and stuff and they were very forward. They were like, yeah, babe. Yeah. Good night. Good morning, babe. That's right. And you were like, um, and hang on. Hang yeah, on. Yes, Let me have this. <laughs> you have marriage. I have these. <laughs> All right. Um, and I just wasn't really feeling it. He was very forward. And I'm just not very, I'm not very, uh, I think he just Googled, like, how to text girls. And it's like, girls, like, good night and good morning text. And I'm like, I don't fucking know you. <laughs> anyway, after, and he not wanted... Not your baby, pal. I'm not your baby. And before we would meet up, I was just not vibing with it. So mm-hmm. I just sent him a very polite message, like, um, hang on. I know everyone's very tired, but this is, um, <laughs> this is actually really great. This is one of my favorite things that has happened to me. I found it. Amazing. Amazing. So I said, um... He would message me multiple times a day when I wouldn't reply. He'd just say, hey, hey, hey. I'm like, Jesus, okay. Mm -hmm. Finally, I messaged him. I'm like, hey, I've been crazy busy at work today. I've been doing some thinking, and maybe we shouldn't continue this anymore because I'm not sure we're compatible for each other. You seem like a good person, but this is probably better for the long run, so no one's time got wasted. Isn't that so polite? Mm -hmm. Isn't that like a way better thing to do than go someone? If I got sent that message, I'd be like, yeah, my feelings are a bit hurt, but I get it. Thank you for being honest. Mm -hmm. But this guy, goes um geez dude thanks for that dot 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 bye loser <laughs> so from, oh my god so from us at the literature we'd like to say bye loser bye loser <laughs> mm, see you next week